Father, we choose to bless you, to trust you, to put our hope in you. We choose to fix our eyes on you, whether that's easy or hard, Lord, I pray that right now you would capture our hearts and cause us to lean on you, to not trust in our own understanding, our own, under, our own ways, but to trust in you with all our heart. And so God, come speak through me. I pray, Lord, you speak through your word that you would open our hearts to hear you, our eyes to see you, and that we would leave here today, Lord, changed because of our encounter with you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, you can be seated. Thanks, guys. Well, good morning. My name's uh, Kurt Bubna, and if you're uh, visiting or guest today, I want to extend my welcome to you and explain to you that we're going to experience uh, a historical moment in our church today, and it's uh, an emotional moment for many of us, and I would ask you to just uh, be patient with us, and uh, please excuse some of our emotion. Uh, it's normal, and you, you, uh, you'll understand why in a moment. Most of you by now have probably heard that this is Joe and Betsy's last Sunday with us as our worship leaders. Uh, if you haven't heard that, I apologize. It means you haven't given us your email address, or you don't read East Point Spam, or... Um, or maybe you, you are not on Facebook, but we have tried our best this week to communicate to you. And for those of you that this is the first time you heard it, I know that happened in the first service. It's, it's a bit of a shock. Uh, I understand uh, how change is difficult for some and difficult for most of us to deal with. Uh, change is a part of life. Change is a part of walking on this planet. Change is always something we're going to have to deal with as long as we're in these earth suits walking on this earth. And uh, I know that. I understand that. But I also know that doesn't make it any easier. In fact, it... It doesn't make it uh, something we get all excited about nonetheless. Still hard. Change is something that we've gone through a lot in the last 10 years of the church. Uh, 10 years ago, September, we actually started with small groups and with a core group gathering. And uh, we were, I was on staff at Life Center, and we started gathering some people together to plant this church called East Point. And we actually la launched be 10 years the first Sunday in January. We were coming up on our 10th anniversary. But a lot's happened. A lot has happened in that 10 years. Uh, my goodness, uh, when we first started, we were looking, scrambling, trying to find a place to meet. Uh, we weren't sure where we were going to be. We were talking to CV about uh, using their facility and thought that's what was going to happen. Then God opened up miraculously, opened up this place on Mission in Argonne. Uh, that was small, but it worked for us for a while, and we moved in there, and, and I was thrilled and excited. And, and then God began to stretch us and grow us, and we ended up here. Lots of change. This room they're sitting in right now is new since Easter this year. Lots of change. Uh, in our culture, in our world, you know, 10 years ago, I got on the internet this morning because I was just curious. You know that 10 years ago, gas was $1.08 a gallon? Now you're really depressed, aren't you? <laughs> Couldn't believe that. George W. was president and gas was like right around 100, I mean, 108, 110. So lots of things have happened. Um, in in uh, our experience as a church, you know, we've, we've, we've grown, we've experienced change. Uh, Joe and Betsy have gone through change. In fact, I've got a picture I want to show you of Joe and Betsy in the early years. Ryan Egan, our drummer, uh, was actually baptized by Joe, uh, and uh, he always says he got baptized by Jesus. And you can see why now. Lots of change. Lots of things have happened. And again, not always easy. And Joe and Betsy's departure has been stretching for me. I have, I have had a very emotional week. Uh, we met with the staff this week and cried and prayed for them. I met Thursday night with the worship team, and we cried and prayed for them. And uh, this morning, the first service, we went through the same thing, and here we are again. I want to read to you exactly what Joe and Betsy gave to me, and they asked me to read this to you. Here's what they said. We love East Point. 
Kurt and Laura, the staff and the board, but we know, listen to this, but we know God is calling us on and he's made that very clear to us. We don't have a lot of answers to the questions that will come, but we are trusting God. And there are a lot more questions probably than answers right now, but they're trusting him. And it's hard, uh, as this is for some of us, and it's hard for me, it is something God is doing. And I told somebody in the first service, in fact, I think I said it in the first service, that, you know, if you're really angry about this, go yell at God, don't yell at me. Because this is God, this is something that he's doing. People have asked me why, and my response is, it's not so much about the why as it is the who. Uh, we don't always understand the why, and I'm going to address that a little bit more this morning. We don't always get the why. What's important for us to understand, though, is who. Who's in charge? Who's running? Who can we trust in? Someone asked me, did you see this coming? Did you expect this? Was this unexpected? And honestly, it was somewhat unexpected. Now, God's been preparing me and I think us for a long time for some, a season of change. I believe God works in seasons. And we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary this first Sunday in January. And I really do believe that we've experienced already this year, like I mentioned, this room is a significant change for us. We, we've experienced change in our 10 years. We're experiencing a season of change now. And I know that's hard. And when it comes to the Pinterest, I didn't see that coming, but I knew God was up to something. And you ask them, they would tell you the same thing. God had been stirring their heart and working. I didn't see this. It was unexpected, and you live long enough. Uh, here's a little insight for you. You figure out pretty quick that life is not always easy and often full of unexpected surprises. Life is not always easy and often full of the unexpected. Anybody relate to that? Then, oh, yeah, man, as I was growing up, I never expected that I'd become a pastor. In fact, I told God when I was about 17 years old, I'll do anything but be a pastor. And we had some talks when he, you know, did one of these and said, well, I got another plan for you. My oldest son was born, in fact, here in Spokane at Deacon's Hospital uh, years ago. I never expected that he would have some serious and life-threatening health issues. That, that caught me by surprise. My dad, though not known for his health or his uh, good eating habits, Twinkies were his favorite food group. Um, I didn't expect and, and was, was surprised when he died at 63 of cancer. I never expected my grandson Phineas to only live an hour before he went home with the Lord four years ago. I was shocked. You know, I was honest with you. I was shocked when my doctor diagnosed me over a year ago in the spring of 2011 with prostate cancer. I was blown away by that. Now, the good news is I've been cancer-free for a year now. And God's taking good care of me. Yeah, thank you. Lots of unexpected things. Lots of unwanted things at times. Never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined 10 years ago that our church would have the impact it's had, that we would grow to where we're at, that we would be in a Kmart. If somebody told me 10 years ago, I think you guys are going to be in Kmart someday, I'd have laughed. I'd have laughed out loud. It's like, yeah, all right. Who does church in a Kmart? God surprises me all the time. In fact, it's almost as if he sees more, knows more, and understands more than I do. Yeah. So the question is, and that's a question I want you to wrestle with this morning, what do you do when life throws you a curve? How should we handle the unexpected and even unwanted things in life? What do you do if you end up like this kid? I've got a picture I want to show you. What do you do if you're like this, notice the kid in the back. I saw that this week on Facebook, and I, I think it was a gift from God. I just laughed because I thought, these parents, probably not parents of the year, by the way, par these parents are clueless, wandering, holding hands, whistling, singing, enjoying the sunshine, and their kid is falling down the wagon, being dragged behind. 
And I thought, man, how many times have I felt just like that kid? Life is dragging me through the mud and nobody seems to have any idea what I'm going through. Been there, I know. And so again, how we guard our hearts is important. And will you guard your heart to become better instead of bitter? Better instead of bitter when you face the struggles. I'm gonna give you four ways to respond to the unexpected this morning. Four things that I want to challenge and encourage you to do. And here's the first one if you're taking notes this morning in the outline. Number one, stay tender. How do you handle the unexpected, the unwanted, the hard, the difficult? Stay tender. You see, difficulty has a way of leading us astray and into cold-heartedness if we let it. If we're not careful, we end up in a bad place. When we get smacked in the head or in the heart with something we didn't see coming, we can get pretty mean and pretty emotionally ugly. And I, I'll own it. I know I can. I wish I could say that the struggles, trials, and, and difficulties of life just naturally draw out the best in us. But the reality is that they tend to draw out the worst in us. When we go through something difficult, we don't normally respond well, we react. Think about the last time you were working with a tool, maybe a hammer, and instead of hitting the nail, you hit your thumb. Did you drop to your knees in quiet solitude and prayer? <laughs> or did you yell something you probably shouldn't say in church? We react. How about when somebody cuts you off in traffic? You know, I love this town, but they're the worst drivers in America. And how about when somebody runs through a stop sign or they cut you off? Do you bless them? <laughs> or do you bust them and wave another part of your hand at them? What happens when things don't go the way expected? How about this? How about when your kid does that thing for the umpteenth time? and you are fit to be tied, and you're ready to send them someplace, anywhere, to, to, to kick them out of the house at three years old. You cannot stand what this child has done to you again. Do you, at that moment, respond to them with gentleness and compassion and kindness and tenderness? Or do you yell at them, release the Kraken! <laughs> Reference to Clash of Titans, if you haven't seen the movie. And your child runs from you in terror. I know what I do. About the 19th time they do something, I'm like, Ugh. it's easy to react. It's hard to respond. Here's the attitude that the scripture says we should have. The challenge to have in the word of God, Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, do you realize how powerful just this one verse could affect our lives if we just live this every day, every moment of every day? Now, that's a pretty high standard pretty good goal. But do you have any idea how much this one verse would change and radically alter our lives and the lives of the people around us? Ephesians 4, 32, let me read it again. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, 8, all of you, that includes you, that includes me, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. I'll paraphrase, give them a break. Understand that they're human too. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Not the way some of you live with your brothers and sisters and the way God wants you to. Love them as, as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted. There it is again. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Now I read those verses and you might be thinking like I have. Yeah, that's easy to say, but not so easy to do, especially when you're getting pummeled by trials, when you're just getting beat to smithereens by the hardships of life. And you're right, it's not easy. I am not going to sit here and tell you it's easy. It's hard. But it is easier, 
easier when we remember that God often used the unexpected, the hardships and the trials of this life to mold us and to shape us into the image of his son. I'm not saying he causes them. I'm saying he uses them. That he will take those hard things, those unexpected things, and he will, if we will let him, he will use them to mold us, to shape us into the image of his son. Romans 5, 3 to 5, Paul wrote, we can, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Now, either this guy's smoking crack or he's onto something. We can rejoice, he says, when we run into problems and trials, for we know, we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Paul says, struggle, trials, hardship. Leads to, builds, develops endurance in us. And that endurance builds character. God-like character. The character of Jesus. And that character leads us to the place where we actually walk in and live in hope in God. Confident, I've talked about this before, hope is confident expectation in him. But it starts with trials and hardship and struggle. It's easy to become hard-hearted when we lose perspective and forget that God is more concerned with our character than he is our comfort. And the struggle for us and the challenge for us is what we stay tender and pliable in his hands. Here's the second thing, number two. What do you do with the unexpected? Stay faithful. Stay faithful. I suppose uh, being faithful and faithfulness can mean lots of things to lots of different people. Let me define it for you in the way the Bible defines faithfulness so that we're all on the same page. And this is not in your outline, but you might want to write it down. To stay faithful, to be faithful is to stay the course. It is to stay the course, to stay true, trustworthy, reliable, committed, and loyal. Let me tell it to you again. Let me explain it again. Let me define it for you one more time. It is to stay the course. It is to stay true, trustworthy, reliable, committed, and loyal. That's how the Bible defines faithfulness, and that's the call. When things are hard, will you remain faithful and committed and loyal? Will you stay the course? In his opening statement to the church in Ephesus, Paul writes in Ephesians 1.1, he said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to God's holy people, people, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm speaking to those of you who are called out, holy, sanctified by God, and he says, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And he applauds, he affirms their faithfulness. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 25, as the parable of the talents. And he praises the faithful ser servant in this, this story. In Matthew 25, 21, says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Twice this word is used. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And I tell you, when I stand before the Lord someday, when it's all said and done for me on this earth, I want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. I know I won't hear, you never made any mistakes, you did it all right all the time. I'm not going to hear that. But what I hope to hear is even when you blew it, even when you failed, even when life was hard, you were faithful. You stayed faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. When the unexpected comes, and notice I said when, not if, because it will come. When the unexpected comes, one of the great tests we face is this issue of faithfulness. Will we remain true and loyal? Solomon wrote in Proverbs 20, verse 6, many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Solomon in his wisdom said, many claim it. In other words, 
it's easy to say we have unfailing and faithful love, but the true test comes in the midst of unexpected hardship. That's when it's really tested. I hate war. There's not one bit of it that I like. It's tragic. It's horrible. It's, it's, a, it's a miserable part of the human existence. Now, I thank you if you've served in war and served our country. I honor you for that. But even you talk to anybody who's been in the military, they say they hate war too. I do, however, love war movies. And what I, listen carefully, what I don't love is the violence, the blood and guts, and the explosions. That's not what I love about the war movies. What always gets me, hits me right here, is the camaraderie and the sacrifice I see. The, the, the sacrifice they make for their country, the sacrifice they make for their, their comrades in, in battle. I love the camaraderie and I love the sacrifice and it always just grabs me. Every time I see that, I, I get emotional about it. I was watching Act of Valor a month or so ago and it's a, a movie with Navy SEALs. And acting is probably not gonna win an Academy Award but powerful story. And at one point, uh, my wife and I are sitting in my, my uh, rec room watching this. I'm in my Lazy Boy. I get the picture. I'm watching this movie. And at one point, one of the guys throws himself on a, a grenade to save the life of his friends. Now, here's the irony of this. I'm watching a movie about some of the toughest men in the world. And I'm sitting in my Lazy Boy, weeping. I'm just, <laughs> my wife, you know, are you okay? No. Because I was so moved by this act of sacrifice of this. Guys, that's committed, loyal faithfulness. That's faithfulness to something bigger than you, than you, to someone else. John 15, 13, Jesus said these words, greater love has no one than this than he laid down his life for his friends. And by the way, Jesus said that just hours before he went to the cross to die for you and me. Greater love has no one than this than he laid down his life for his friends. When things get tough, the phrase is, the tough get going. I don't think that's true. I think when things get tough, the truly tough die. They sacrifice. They put the needs of others before their own. And so when life gets hard, I want to encourage you, stay faithful to him. Stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to his cause, to the kingdom. And stay faithful to one another. Here's the third thing, number three. What do you do in the unexpected? Stay aware. Stay aware. This is so important. We cannot afford to forget that we are in a battle. We cannot afford to, to just wander through life without any awareness of the battle that we're in. We battle the flesh. We battle, you know, our own carnal nature. We battle the flesh in others, and then we battle the enemy. Now, sometimes the unexpected happens to us because we live in a broken world with broken people who have rejected their creator, who have rejected God. And we cannot blame God for that. Sometimes the unexpected, unwanted, hard things come because we live in a broken time, in a broken world for now. Sometimes the unexpected happens because we, let's own it, because we do something foolish, because we make a boneheaded mistake, and we, are, we end up reaping what we've sown. But sometimes what is unexpected to us was methodically planned by the evil one who hates God and he hates us. I don't want you to freak out about this. I don't want you to go home terrified. You don't have to be. But it is a reality that we are in the midst of a cosmic battle of epic proportions. Lives are at stake. 
millions and millions, hundreds of millions. And the enemy hates God. He hates redemption. He hates anything to do with God, about God. And that includes you and me. And his goal is to take us out and destroy, to destroy, to rob, steal, and destroy. When I go through hard times, when I go through the unexpected in my life, I've learned to ask three questions. And this is not in your outline, but you might want to jot this down. Three things that I've learned to ask when I go through something difficult and the unexpected. The first question is, God, did I cause this? Uh, that's a pretty good question to ask. And, and by the way, that's something God will always, that's a prayer he'll always answer. If you did, you'll get a clear, oh yeah. But the first question I always ask, God, have I done this? Is this my fault? Did I create this? And the response when that is the case, when I realize in that moment of, God, is this me? And God goes, yeah. It, the response is to repent. The biblical response to sin is repentance. Oh, God, I blew it again. I failed. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. I'm not going to go that way anymore. I'm going to go your way. I ask the question, God, have I failed? Is this because of me? And if it is, I repent. The second question I ask is, God, is this something someone else has done to me? Is this from someone else against me? I didn't cause this, but someone else has brought this. Some other human has, has done, said, did something against me to wound me, to cut me to shreds. Is this from someone else? And if that's the case, you know what the biblical response to that is? We read it in Ephesians just a moment ago. Forgiveness. When I am wounded, hurt, something horrible happens to me by someone else, the response is not eye for an eye or revenge. The response is forgiveness. Oh, God, please forgive them. As I've been forgiven, forgive them. The third question I ask, and this is an important one too, is this the enemy? God, is this the enemy that's brought this against me? And the biblical Admonition is when it is a part of the battle, a part of something that Satan has brought against us, the response we are to make is resistance. Stand against him. Listen to these verses from James 4, 7. James writes, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now catch the context of what's going on here. He says, submit yourself to God. Do not stand against the evil one on your own. Don't think you could do it for a moment in your own strength. You cannot. But we submit ourselves to God. We humble ourselves and we come under his covering. We say yes to him. We surrender our life to him. Submit yourself to God. And then it says resist the devil. And the promise is, it's a promise, he will flee from you. Submit to him. Resist the enemy. That's the admonition. And the promise is, we're going to be okay. He'll flee. He can stand the presence of God's power and life. First Peter 5, 8, 9. Peter said, be alert, aware. Awake, you could put that word in there. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The word picture here is not pretty. The enemy is out there prowling around looking for someone to gobble up. He wants to destroy you, looking for someone to devour. Verse 9 says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Again, it's not standing firm in me and what I know, what I can do. I'm standing firm in my faith in God. Resist him. Be aware that we're in a battle. When the unexpected comes, stay aware. Stay aware. It might be a battle with flesh and blood, yours or someone else's. Or it might be a battle, again, of epic proportions with evil. But if you do not understand what's going on, it's, it's hard enough when hard things happen. But when we don't recognize the source or remember that we are in a battle and remember what to do, then we're going to get eaten up. It's so much harder to deal with life and way too easy for us to get discouraged when we forget that we're in the midst of, of, a, of an intense battle. Years ago, 
I had a friend of mine, uh, one of the most creative, gifted women I've ever known. I mean, this woman was amazingly talented, anointed. God used her in so many ways. And in the course of about less than a year, if I remember, it's 10 or 11 months, she went through some horrendous experiences. First, she lost her little boy. He was three or four years old. He died. I've lost a grandson. Some of you have lost kids. You know how devastating that can be. She lost a child. Within a few months after that, she lost her job. Very successful at what she did. Very good at what she did. But Southern California and corporate downsizing and she got cut loose. Lost her job and wasn't sure what she was going to do. And was paid pretty well for the job she had. And it was really hard to find anything that was even close to that. So first she loses a child. Then she loses her job. And within a few months after that, I kid you not, she lost her husband to another woman. In the course of 10 or 11 months, she went through three horrible things. Loss of a child, loss of her career, and the loss of her husband. And she came up to me after one church, uh, 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 one Sunday after service, and she said, Kurt, uh, man, I've been through a lot, and I, had, I knew some of it. I said, oh, I know. I've been praying for you. I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do for you? And she said to me, she said, you know, honestly, she said, I, I need you to know I was suicidal. Now, I was shocked by that. But she said, I, I was seriously thinking about taking my life. In fact, she said, I had a plan. But then I got a note from a friend, a mutual friend of ours. And she had the note in her hand, and she handed it to me. It's one of those little cards with girly pictures in front, you know, on the top. And, and, and nothing really special. And she said, I got this little card from my friend. And, and, and she handed it to me. I opened it up, and it, said, it simply said, Stay the course. God's not done with you yet. Don't give up. Just simple admonition to not give up, to stay focused on the Lord. And she said, Kurt, with tears now streaming down her face, and I'm crying with her, she said, that note saved my life. It literally saved my life. She became aware of the battle, and she was encouraged to stay the course, my friend. We need to hold on to this promise from 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you. If you are a Christ follower, if you belong to Jesus, the scriptures say that you have the Holy Spirit who lives within you. And we're admonished to walk full of the Holy Spirit, filled with him, walk in the Spirit, because we have him within us to empower us to do what we could not and cannot do on our own. But John says, greater, don't forget this, greater is he, God, who is in you, God, the Holy Spirit, who lives in you, than he who is in the world. Stay aware, stay close, and stay the course. Well, there's one more thing. Number four, when the unexpected happens, stay ready. Stay ready. I recently read something from one of my favorite authors, a guy named Irwin McManus, and he said, we grow best in crisis. And I gotta be honest with you, when I first read that, I didn't really like it. I mean, how many of you get all excited about that little truth? Why? No. But it's truth. It's a, I don't like the reality, but it's a reality nonetheless. I believe it. We grow best in crisis. And I really do believe that every crisis we face has the potential, listen to me, here's the key word, has the potential to help us grow if, if we are ready and if we're willing to grow through it and not just go through it. If we're ready and willing to say, God, I don't like this, I, I would not have chosen this. This is eating my lunch, but God, I want to grow. I want to grow and become more like you. I want to be ready 
to, to move through this and to move on to the next thing you have for me. You see, we don't want to miss what God is up to. I promise you, I don't. I don't want to miss what God is doing. And God does have a plan. Even when we are completely clueless. If you guys had any idea how clueless I am, you'd never come back to this church. I, I, could, I, I, am, I am, more often than not, I, my prayer is, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. I don't know. There's so much I don't know, but here's my comfort. Here's my confidence. I know who does know. And I put my hope in him. I learned a long time ago, and boy, I learned this sooner than later in life. We're not as smart as we think we are. We don't know as much as we think we know. There's a whole lot of us that just aren't, we're not going to get there on our own. But the truth is, the best part about this is we can, we can put our hope and our confidence in the one who does know all things. So the question is, are you ready for what God wants to do? In Genesis chapter 12, we're introduced to a man named Abram. In fact, he's actually mentioned first in Genesis 11, and then his story begins to unfold in Genesis chapter 12. Now, Abram becomes Abraham. Later, God changes his name, and maybe you've heard of the guy named Abraham. And Abram, he's, he's doing his own thing. He's minding his own business. He's got his life. He, he's gotten married. He's building a home. He's not too far from dad. He's in the town he grew up in. It's, you know, his life is going pretty much the way he thought it would until God radically, and I do, you cannot miss this, radically intervenes in his life and does one of these. God, God says, Abe, come here. I got a plan for you. In Genesis 12, 1 says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Go from your country, from your father's household, from everything you know to a place I'm going to show you. Say, what? God, you want me to leave everything I've known of my life, my family, my, 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 my history here, and you want me to go to some place that I, to where? To a place you will show me. Great. Sounds exciting. I don't know about you, but that would put me in some serious crisis. And without question, it was unexpected in Abram's life. No doubt about it. But can I suggest that one of the reasons why he's considered the father of faith is because Abe obeyed. He obeyed. In fact, it says in Genesis 12, 4, so Abram went as the Lord told him to. He's considered a hero of faith in three major religions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. I mean, highly regarded by Millions, billions of people, even today on planet Earth. Why? Because Abe obeyed, because he operated in faith. He didn't know the what, the whys. He didn't even really know the where. And yet he obeyed. He trusted in God. You're going to wonder. I'm sure you already have. What are Joe and Betsy going to do? They don't know. Where are they going? They don't know. Why is this happening? Because God said, come. I've got something new for you. Follow me. And they are modeling for us the kind of faith I want you to have. The kind of faith where it's not easy, it's not convenient, and the kind of faith that steps out and, and, and takes the risk, takes the leap to, to, to lay it all out there for the sake of the kingdom and the king. When the unexpected happens, we can react in fear or we can respond in faith. And I... I, I beg you, I beg you, respond in faith. I know it's hard. Don't react in fear. Respond in faith. And my hope and my prayer is that you will grow 
and that you'll be ready to grow through whatever God brings into your life or into ours as a church. In fact, can I just be crazy enough to suggest that maybe we should expect the unexpected in our walk with him. Maybe it's time to, to get beyond our, our frustration and getting blown away by the unexpected. Maybe we should actually learn to expect the unexpected and stay ready, to stay ready. Maybe we should decide before the struggle what we will do in the struggle. And my challenge to you, my encouragement to you is trust in him, obey him, follow him. Will you trust Jesus in those times that you don't, you don't get through those experiences that blow you away, through those things that are hard and difficult for you? I hope so. And you need to know that as your pastor, I choose to trust in him. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone next week, next month, or the next 10 years of our church together. But I know who knows, and that's enough for me. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Father, I, I pray with every fiber of my being right now that you would turn our eyes to you. God, this is an emotional time. I've wept all week on and off, all week long. There are many questions, Lord, and not a lot of answers. But Jesus, you keep bringing me to the same place again and again and again to fix my eyes on you, to look to you, to trust in you. And I pray, God, that you would help us to, as individuals and as a church collectively to trust you to trust you and your goodness and to trust you and your plan and to put our eyes on you, to fix our hearts on you no matter what, to have faith in you. You know, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. And it begins with an act of faith, believing that he died for you, believing that he lives for you, believing that you need a Savior, putting your faith in him, letting go of your past and putting your all into the hands of the one who gave his all for you. And if you're here today and you're ready to do that, and you know that you want to start your life as a Christ follower, then I'm going to pray this very simple prayer. But I'm going to ask you to make this your prayer right now. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned, I have failed, I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Thank you for what he did on that cross for me. I embrace the grace you gave to me on that cross. I accept your forgiveness, and I confess I need you. And I surrender my life to you. I yield to you. I, I submit to you. I give up, it all up to you right now and put my hands and my life into your hands. And I pray, God, that you now would just help me to walk with you from now into eternity. Now, if that's your heart, your desire, just, you know, we say, yep, God, that's me. That's what I want. That's what I need. And the Bible says the moment you say yes to him and confess your sin and your need of him, you cross into relationship. It's not about just religion. It's about relationship with the living God. You become his child. You begin that journey of faith. And listen, it won't be easy, but he'll be with you every step along the way. Lord, for those making that decision right now or watching online, I pray, God, that you would show them what you're doing, what you're going to do, and seal in their hearts that they belong to you right now. But God, for all of us, for every one of us, I pray that you'd help our eyes to return to you, that we would leave here today in faith, believing. I pray it in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask John and Teresa to come on up, um, Brian and Heather. John and, and uh, Brian and Teresa and Heather have been with us from the beginning. In fact, 10 years ago, 
Um, Brian and I were meeting Joe and Betsy for the first time. And we had never met them. They'd never met us. And we were sitting at Boston Pizza. And I watched them walk across the parking lot. And I said, oh, I like him already because he was cool. And uh, she was just glowing. See that smile? That, that's it. And uh, we had a great time. And from that moment, the Lord sealed our hearts together. And you know what, guys? Though they are leaving us, our hearts are always going to be sealed together. We're going to spend eternity together. I want to bless them. I want to pray for them. I want to send them because they're obeying Jesus. And I want to put my hand to their faith. And I'm going to ask you to do the same thing, to bless them with me. If you feel comfortable doing so, would you extend your hand this way as we just pray for them together? Thank you, Lord, for Joe and Betsy, for their gifts, for their anointing, for the way you've used them, Lord, literally in thousands of people's lives. Thank you, God, for what they have deposited in my heart. What they have deposited in our church. Thank you for the impact they've had and for the impact they will continue to have. Lord, may the ripple effect of their life, even at East Point, continue to be felt. Lord, we trust you. We entrust them to you. They belong to you, Jesus. And we put our hands on them now, and I pray, God, that every moment as they step into the unknown, just like Abe did, that they would feel your hand on them, Lord, even as our hands are on them now, that you would be ever-present and powerful, and that you would lead them every step along the way. Lord, I look forward to the day we'll be together again. Forever. Forever with you. We love him, Lord. We love you. And we bless them now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give it up for these guys. Do not use the offering bag as a snot rag. <laughs> but the ushers are going to come, and we're going to finish with a song that really, from the beginning, I've associated with that woman there. Blessed be your name. So let's sing as we give, and I'll come back and wrap it up. A few things before you go today. If you begin your life as a Christ follower, could you tell somebody? And back on the tables by the exit doors, you'll see a packet for new Christians. It's got a Bible, some tricky to start your walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up. Joe and Betsy are going to be down front. If you want to come and hug on them and love on them, they would appreciate that. They'll be down here as long as it takes. And in the lobby, uh, in that corner of the lobby, 
there's a bunch of poster board and some uh, banner paper up and some metallic pins on the table there. And I know they would love, we thought about getting a card, but they don't make them big enough. So if you'll take you know, some time just as you go out today and just jot a, we love you or thank you or whatever you want to write, a scripture verses, wherever you want to give them, uh, do so on that board as they leave. If you need prayer, prayer team would be on the far sides. These guys will be filling up the front. Communes on both sides of the room. And I encourage you, one last thing is see Sarah over there if you want to sign up for the uh, Next Step Social tonight. Come back at 6 for that. But here's my admonition. Here's my challenge. Here's my prayer for you. May you go in faith. May you go knowing that he is with you. And may you always keep your eyes fixed on him. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today. Thank you.